630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 tuning in everybody i really appreciate it i hope you had a great weekend other than whatever time you spent watching the edmonton oilers play and lose and lose quite badly again i am here for you tonight we can talk you can commiserate you can say whatever you like really well within reason at 780-496-0063 you can text 630-630 we will also hear from world junior gold medalist carter hart goaltender for team canada who just won the tournament in buffalo will be good to talk to him my name is reed wilkins thanks a lot for checking in peter shirelli spoke to uh, various members of the media over the last 24 hours we'll have uh, some audio from his talk with bob stoffer on oilers now as we move along tonight we'll try to break down some of his track record as the Oilers general manager and it is interesting to me that I I, I I don't like to speak generally because whenever I say well Oilers fans feel this way the fans who don't feel that way even if there's only a few of them will be like wait a minute I don't feel that way I I, I am sensing there is a majority of Oilers fans who uh, are most mostly dissatisfied with the performance of uh, Peter Shirelli over, I, depending on the timeline, I think for some of you it's the last uh, 8 to 10 months, for some of you it's his entire tenure as Oilers general manager, which I don't think is accurate about the entire tenure. Certainly uh, the last uh, 8 to 10 months don't look very good. Uh, but we will talk about that as we move along tonight. We'll keep you updated on the NCAA football national championship game that is just getting started. There is only one game in the National Hockey League tonight. Columbus and Toronto are scoreless five minutes into the second period. Tomorrow, Oilers at Predators. Going to be another tough one for Edmonton. 4.30 face-off show. Game will start at 6 right here on 6.30, Chet. Uh, I can see already see on the phone lines that our, our first caller, and I'm going to get to him in a second, uh, I believe wants Peter Shirelli fired. I can tell you this. I don't expect Peter Shirelli to be fired in the short term. I don't expect Todd McClellan to be uh, fired in the short term. So I, if you have that opinion, I, I can't, that's, that's fine. And I, I certainly think his work should be heavily scrutinized. But if you're asking me if I anticipate that happening, I, I don't. Mike is on line one. Go ahead, Mike. Hi, Reed. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I do think that Peter Trelli's made way too many mistakes and to... Uh Cause what he's caused for this season for the Oilers not to be in the playoffs and eating up uh, Connor McDavid last season in an entry deal, it's not a good thing. I think uh, Cross on his first cup on an entry level deal, 
And uh, I know we always go back to Pittsburgh, but there should be we should be moving forward, not backwards. And I think under Torelli's um, time as general manager, he sold low, and uh, we don't, our cupboards are bare. We don't have any wingers. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Another question occurred to me last night, and and plenty of time for more call, more phone calls. I know we got some guys on hold already. Um, I I mean, look on on uh, June twenty seventh, twenty fifteen, the uh, Shirelli traded for Cam Talbot. On July first of that year, he signed Andre Sekera, and he signed Mark Latestu, who I who I think in their own ways have contributed to the team. Um, obviously, that was also the uh, the Griffin Reinhardt trade, which has turned out to be bad. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, Cassian was acquired on December 28th, 2015. Maroon was acquired February 29th, 2016. Uh, Larson was acquired June 29th, 2016, though I know there's a lot of people who still don't like that one. Uh, Lucic was signed July 1st, 2016. Kajula and Benning were added. Russell was added in the fall of 2016. Uh, and then the summer of 2017 was uh, Strom for Everly, which was has turned out really, really bad. I mean... Man, I don't, I don't know. I didn't have high expectations for Strom, but I'm, I'm surprised there wouldn't be more intel about how generally ineffective he is as a player. So I also have this question, and you don't have to answer it specifically, but if you want to touch on this, is, is Peter Shirelli a decent general manager who's had a bad last eight months? Or did he simply make moves early on that improved positions that were rock bottom like goaltending like defense I mean the Oilers had several players from their previous regime that didn't last in the NHL once they left the Oilers so we got Talbot improved the goaltending well it was kind of hard not to improve the goaltending he got Andre Sekera who can skate and move the puck a little bit well the Oilers didn't really have anybody who could do that so were those, you know, were those good moves or were those just simply where any move would have helped? And, and, you know, maybe they were kind of just ones where, well, yeah, we're going to, we, anybody we get is going to be better than what we had. I don't know. Two different ways to look at it. Nick on the line. Go ahead, Nick. Hey, Reed. How are you this evening? I'm doing quite well. I, I enjoy doing shows like this, actually, even though I know, I know a lot of fans are dissatisfied because I like, I like hearing from you guys. Oh, perfect. Uh, See, I, I like how you asked that question right before I called there, or I was on hold when I heard it. And my question for you is, given, so when the team, that last game uh, before the McDavid draft or whatever, in 2015, you look at the team that he inherited. There was not much that he inherited. It wasn't like when he went to Boston, he had Chara, Marshawn, Lucic, uh, Krejci, Bergeron. He had these guys that he inherited that time. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Like, other than the guys that are still here, what is it, Nugent Hopkins and Clefbaum, like, I ask you, like, the team he inherited was absolute garbage, like, saying uh, just because uh, of the decade of darkness, right? Like, was it the drafting and the, the bad trades leading up to that? So, like, given Shirelli, like, he turned his team 180 degrees, like, turned it around, and did he make some bad moves? Sure. What GM doesn't, right? Like, the Reinhardt deal, well, it is what it is. But, you know, even the haul for Larson, well, 
you need who was the toughest guy that we had when before Lucic came in. Well, nobody. You know, they him. they were they were pushed around like a ragdoll night after night. And so I'm pretty. Maybe he had some sort of secret deal with Lucic that you're going to sign here. Okay, maybe Hall's extendable. Lucic is not a sniper. So people, even though he's playing with McDavid, people can't expect him to pot 40 goals. He was never a sniper. He never will be one. Lucic is what Lucic is, but he's a tough guy that changed the locker room around, right? But I guess what I'm asking you, Reed, is like from what Shirelli was given when he came on here, like draft or not, with, or a dry seller or not, or yeah. McDavid, I'm kind of tongue-tied here, but nope. you know what I mean? He wasn't given that much. He had three trading chips that had value. And, and like Yakpot didn't have value. Schultz never had value. It was Hall, Eberle, and Nugent Hopkins. And of course, you keep the center. Am I right? Well, that's what he wound up doing, and, and I mean, I, I think he, he wanted to trade Everly first, but there wasn't the market there for him. Nick, I'm going to put you back on hold. I, I just printed up the Oilers' current roster today. Now, here are the players who have been signed or traded for by Peter Shirelli. I'm not counting people he drafted, because obviously you're going to draft Ryan, or are going to draft Connor McDavid. So these are the players on the current Oilers' roster that he has signed as a free agent or traded for. Lucic, Maroon, Strom, Latestu, Russell, Cassian, Kajula, Benning, Camilleri, Ovitu, Larson, Sekera, and Montoya. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. So that's actually quite a bit of turnaround. And as you, as you say to Nick, he wasn't working with much to begin with. And by no means am I defending him because, quite frankly, I am highly critical uh, of what he did in the summer. And I was I was mostly worried about the depth scoring in the summer. I didn't think it would turn out to be this poor, but I, I certainly was kind of like, eh, I don't know if they'll score like last year. So he has changed stuff. He, he definitely has changed stuff. You can certainly comment on the, on the caliber of those changes. And Craig, I mean, we're opening up a whole can of worms here because the team's been bad now, uh, what are we at? Ten and a half of the last eleven and a half years. Craig Button made the point on the weekend that the Oilers drafted poorly during the decade of darkness, and there's no one percolating on the farm that can really come up in, in even a support role and give you some honest minutes and has some minor league experience. I guess kind of Brandon Davidson turned out to be that type of player uh, who's now a depth defenseman. So there there is a lot going on here. But having said that, it it, it kind of it only matters so much about past decisions we're, we're mostly worried about this year we got uh, mark on the line hi mark hi Reed. how you doing tonight oh, i'm doing pretty good i'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit here uh stoffer has been yakking quite a bit the last week or two what did tampa and the jets do i don't I, the hold on mark I, I don't i understand what bob is saying generally and you know i love bob and i work with him every yeah, day yeah. i don't understand the tampa comparison specifically because of the Stamco situation, and they still right. got to four. I think generally I understand what he's saying. I don't know if there's a direct specific correlation, but I'll let you probably, finish. Probably not a direct, but even, even in general, I disagree with Bob, because the major uh, difference being Stamkos and Chevaldeoff, I believe it is, in Winnipeg, they didn't bleed the assets out of the organization like Shirelli's done. Duran wanted out. What did Stamkos do? Or not Stamkos, what did... Uh, Yarsman do. He just sat on him and sat on him until he got what he wants. Sakic, look at the perfect example with Duchesne. How long did he sit on that deal? I think he just surely zeroes in on what he wants 
so fast and everybody yeah, was like that rumor for Strom stuff was putting that out there for months and months. Are there no other options? Another way to look at it, uh, uh, some people said with Hall, that's all. You, that's the only right winger or right defenseman you could get for Hall. Same thing. Sakic didn't jump into the deal. He took his time. A lot of people are saying he, you know, look at what they got for Drew Ann. If uh, like this, uh, Sergachev has turned out outstanding, right? Sergachev's incredible, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know the thing with Shirelli is is that he made in the last half a year going in the playoffs. He admitted going in the playoffs that he mistook the team and didn't think they were as good as how they ended up being. Meaning that he could have added more, but he didn't think they were that good. Not, so he made that mistake then. Now coming in this year, he made the mistake in reverse. He did all these kinds of deals thinking, well, and, and now it's just turned out a dud. You had said in your opening there as he just had bad luck. So on, I find it hard to believe, Reid, that like all these moves, like he counted on Kajula, Shlepeshev, uh, Strom, on and on and on, all these moves, that's the ones he kept that didn't work. Even the moves that he let go, speed and a right-handed shot, Pitlick. Good skater, right-handed shot, Osterley. Let them both go. And, yeah, they're not stars, but you don't think they could help this team? Mark, Osterley's left, but I understand what you're saying. Thanks yeah, for calling, They, they let him go. They let him go as a free agent. They yes, they did. More. They did. All right, appreciate it, Mark. I, I, again, I want to give most of the floor to you guys, so I'm not going to jump in too much on uh, on your own opinions unless you, there's a factual error, and I hate to be a jerk but Osterley does shoot left uh but that was a good call uh mike michael jared adam up next in the batting order 619 inside sports on chet hi this is ryan Eugene hopkins from your edmonton oilers you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on oilers radio 630 chet got a uh texture to 630 630 saying that i should not refer to the decade of darkness as the Oilers' stretch of being bad, that they've been a pretty bad team since 1990. Well, there's a a lot of truth to that. I mean, really, since the fifth Stanley Cup, how good have they been overall? Having said that, I hope that we're not blaming Peter Shirelli for all of that. 780-496-0063. We got Mike on the line. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Reed. Hello. How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing well. Go ahead, man. It's all yours. Uh, I gotta start by saying uh, you have the toughest job I think in Edmonton. <laughs> oh, I don't feel that way at all. I quite like it. Well, it's uh, people are getting tense. People are getting restless. Um, I, I guess my question, kind of to you, and I don't know if you're really going to be able to answer this, but if the status quo is going to do, uh, how does it get better next year? Um, we're going to keep the coach. We're going to keep the GM. How does it change? Are we going to uh, strike it rich in the draft lottery again, or are they trying to hit a home run in free agency? I I know you're going to press the reset button come uh, next October when the new season starts, but um, are we just hoping that guys that we have right now are going to have a better performance? Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit of that. I, I, I did definitely think they'll need to add a little bit of speed. Shirelli referred to that in his talk with Stoffer today. I will, I will say this, Mike, and this is probably going to anger some people, and I, and I kind of hate saying something like this because the team is, is bad and the playoffs are, are only going to happen if there's a miraculous winning streak, right? Yep. But I, I remember doing the postgame show with Rob during the 
I can't remember if it was Eakins' first full season or the year Nelson replaced Eakins. But Rob Brown said the Oilers needed at least 10 different players and maybe as many as 14 to make the playoffs. Forget about winning right. a Stanley Cup. I don't think that they need that many players. I, I think it's probably more around four or five. Like, I don't, I don't think it has to be torn apart, but you're yep. going to have to try to get a good free agent winger or, or like, I don't want to trade Nugent Hopkins. I don't know if, I mean, this sounds absurd now to trade, to trade Clefbaum for a winger or something like that, but th- that to yep. me, that's an area of priority. And I still think it's a lot better off than talking about not having any centers or any goaltender, because I still think Talbot's a better goalie than what he's shown this year. There, there is some people that are on Talbot. Uh, that's, I'm not one of them. I think he's a he's a good goalie. Just, uh, I don't know, Reed. I kind of think that he was playing through a groin injury to start the year. That's just my. Well, he said it was upper body, right? That's what they that's what they said. You think it was something else, eh? Yeah. Well, playing through games with an upper body injury and then being shut down just seems a little bit interesting to me. Um, what kind of upper body injury do you play through and then shut yourself down because it's too much? I'm not sure. Well, he talked about, I think it might have been like a pectoral rib type thing because I remember him talking okay. about it once and how it affected him turning and facing shots. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, yeah, okay. something was wrong, obviously. And and yeah. now he's yeah. just, it's hard It's hard to yeah. me to evaluate his performance lately because every goal is an open opportunity. Backdoor tap-ins, yep. All right, Mike, stick with it, okay, buddy? I appreciate it. Thanks, Reed. All right, that's Mike, 780-496-0063. Adam, Brian, and Jared, I'm coming up to the news. You are getting in. Well, I'll, I'll take calls until 7, uh, but at 7.05, I am going to bring Carter Hart on. I think you'll want to hear from him about the experience of playing in the World Juniors. That NCAA championship game is underway. Alabama and Georgia scoreless three minutes in. The Maple Leafs have a goal. From James Van Riemsdyk, he's going to be a free agent this summer. Five minutes left in the second period. It's 1-0 Toronto over Columbus. Did you hear this Johnny Manziel story? Apparently, he's looking for half a million dollars from Hamilton to play in the CFL. My goodness. That's a good CFL wage, as I'm sure you all know. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. We're coming right back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Tough year for Talbot to this point. 902 save percentage, record of 15-15-2. You can get the full Peter Shirelli interview with Bob Stoffer on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Your Oilers talk today brought to you by Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day. Nisku Ford above expectations. Uh, Peter Shirelli also spoke to Brian Rashog with TSN, Mark Spector with Sportsnet. Uh, and also with Bob, he said in all the interviews that uh, he likes Todd McClellan as a coach a lot. I know some of the uh, from the other interviews, he uh, he said he traded Everly to be in a position of strength to fend off a potential offer sheet on Leon Dreisaitl, and then Dreisaitl got the big contract. He says he's going to wait a little bit to uh, decide about his approach at the trade deadline. 
He, uh, Shirelli also saying in one of his other interviews, he thinks that the new contract has weighed on Leon Dreisaitl. So just uh, some other news and notes from the interview today. Top time for Oilers fans. I'm happy to talk to you. Uh, again, I want to give the floor to uh, to you to give you a couple minutes for your opinion or whatever you like to say. We've got Adam on line one. Good evening, Adam. Hey, Reed, How are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. It's nice to hear from you. Nice to hear from you. I just wanted to say I uh, grew up watching you do sports on CKSA. Oh, my God. Um, uh, <laughs> I can't, I can't. That was a few years ago. You, you must have been pained then to hear me on 630 Chad. Uh, some good Allen Cup coverage at the time. Um, anyways, I was just calling because, you know, I sit here and I, I, I've read the Mark Spector piece and listened to Bob's interview, and I want to sit there and say, like, what was said to Justin Trudeau a few weeks ago. Like, what the heck were you thinking? I mean, the Oilers got, what, $3 million in cap space right now? Well, the, no, they'd have, a little, they'd have more than that. Okay, it's just, it, it, it's, it's this whole... This whole thing where he's, he's traded Everly, like that's this frustrating me to no end because I would take Everly at his worst in the playoffs last year over Strom right now. Well, unfortunately, uh, I can't argue with you. You know, it, it, it pains me to think it would have been a little toxic for Yamamoto to still be here, but he would be an upgrade on Kajula or Slepeshev. Like they should, at this rate, we'd have been better off keeping him in the NHL. Uh, like, there's just so many pieces to the Shirelli thing that I sit there and go, like, you know, uh, 99% of the armchair quarterbacks in Edmonton could have done a better job than him this year. You know, you're the first uh, person, I think, who's brought up that they should have kept Yamamoto. I, I'm not even like, sure what to say to that because I think he's getting some valuable experience this year. I, and I do. And generally, I mean, at the time I was sitting there saying, yeah, he needs to go back to junior. And, you know, most of my, you know, I think most people would say that, yeah, in the end, that's the best thing for him. And I believe, especially now that they're out of it, it was and it is. But uh, as they've struggled here and had no wingers that could do anything, Yamamoto would have been uh, a much better alternative when Drysada was playing with quasi fourth liners. You know, it's just, it's one thing after another. I mean, there's a plethora of of solid journeyman backup goalies out there. And here we had a guy that, you know, I think Brassois is a good goalie, but he was hung out to dry. Yeah. And we had no other option. We literally, you couldn't, I mean, you couldn't put Nick Ellis in there. No. Uh, there was there was 15 other guys, I'm sure, between the KHL and Europe and stuff, uh, and, you know, guys that float around team to team year to year that could have been picked up in the summer. Yeah, it would have happened in the summer for sure. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's so many things that I sit there and go, the last piece before I'll let you go, is there not uh, a good special teams assistant coach that they <laughs> that they could target? Because well, it just I mean, blows me away. Like, I don't know. Do you, ask, like, do you ask Dave Tippett to come in and help? He probably wants to be a head coach. So, yeah, I know. That's been frustrating. I got to tell you, Adam, uh, not happy that the Border Kings aren't going anymore. And there's been some shenanigans <laughs> with the Allen Cup organizers uh, over the last couple of years that uh, have really hurt my feelings. But that's another topic. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks. Bye. All right, that's Adam. 780-496-0063. Jared, old boy, what are you doing? 
listening to your show uh, tonight. No, you're always out driving around at this time of night, aren't you? No, actually, I just uh, finished work, so I'm just uh, sitting. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, 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 not on my phone and driving. You're not supposed to do that. Well, you could have Bluetooth. You, you must have a real no. job, unlike those of us that work in broadcasting. Uh, yeah, no, no, I wouldn't say a real job. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, but, uh, but just the, the comment I want to make is when Peter, Peter Shirley took over this team, McDavid was already here, Hull was here, Nurse was here, Clampbaum was here, Eberle, Nugent Hopkins, Yakupov, and Dreisaitl. Yes. And Paul Yarvey fell into his lap. Yeah, well, so did McDavid. Yeah, so that core group, a lot of guys he traded away, but none of that's his responsibility. Like, he never, like, three years have passed, and he has developed nobody. Like, three years have gone. At the end of this year, it's going to be three years, and we're, we're in worse shape. So he brought in all these defensemen. So now we have, what, the third worst goals against, average in the NHL this year right where we were a few years ago. The defense is no better. And then you look at Adam Larson, who I'm going to kind of criticize here, is he gets absolutely eaten alive by the first-line forwards. He's maybe like a third or fourth defenseman at best. The thing about Adam Larson is he gets credit for all these hits, but I would say only maybe a third of them are actual hits. A lot of them are rubouts. And the thing that annoys me about Adam Larson is he plays a scared game. He does not want to hit anybody too hard because there's going to be retribution. He doesn't like to get hit. When the puck is dumped into his corner, he always times it so he goes into the corner at the same time as the forward checker. I would classify him as a soft defenseman. He is not like, like uh, the other, like Benning or Russell. They'll go in for the loose puck. They'll hit guys hard. He doesn't. So now you have all these forwards that get in the Dallas games or in Chicago games. They have no fear. They just cross over this blue line. He's not going to punish him. He's going to rub them out, but big deal. So now... You trade away Taylor Hall, who, in my opinion, this year is an MVP candidate. I, I, would you agree with that, Reed? Like he's having a phenomenal season. Well, I don't and, know if I put him in the top three for the Hart Trophy, but he's having no, a very good I, year. I would say he would get some kind of consideration, like probably top seven or eight players in the NHL. Like he's he's having a phenomenal season. So now you this defenseman you got back, which is not my type of defenseman, a bigger defenseman that. A guy with no offensive ability, and he doesn't punish anybody. So why'd you get him? And he can't stop any forwards. It's a stupid trade. And now you look at everyone and say, oh, they're so tough and everything. Well, what was when Chicago, like, they've lost a lot of players. Who was their big goon squad when they were winning the Stanley Cups? They had nobody. When Las Vegas is winning, who's their big goon squad? They don't have anybody. Pittsburgh, who are their tough guys? They don't have anybody. Tampa Bay doesn't have anybody. So Peter Shirelli's thinking is still in the dark ages. You don't have to have that type of team to win. So when I look at the others now, they almost seem like a team that maybe just won the Stanley Cup, and now they're in decline. And, you know, in this farm team he's built, the, he, everything that he did to add to this team was through a trade. But the problem with that is you're bringing in all these pieces. And when he got strong, when you listened to him, he had no clue what he was getting as a player. He didn't know if he was a centerman or a winger or, or what he really did. And his assessment of players is terrible. So now your farm team logically should be linked to your NHL team. 30 more seconds, Jared. You're on a roll. You develop players from the farm team for your NHL team. That's why these trades aren't necessarily going to help that much because the guy in the minor league, this is the type of player we want. We develop him through the draft, and he just slides right in. That's what Detroit did for 25 years, Reed, and they made the playoff. And now three years later, the farm team stinks. A lot of the talent's gone. So now what is Peter Shirelli to do? 
what kind of trade is he going to make? And that's the scary part. Would he trade Clapham? That would be insane to trade away. For a winger? You can't trade Clapham. I think he's a very good defenseman. But the thing is, now what does he do? He just fill one hole, and then you open up another. And that's, that's where we're at right now. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it, buddy. That is Jared. He's always a good caller. Brian on the line. Go ahead, Brian. Great show, Thank as you. usual. Thank you. A um, couple of things I was just to make a comment on. Uh, you probably saw the, the clip on the Calgary coach uh, blowing up in the practice there. Yes. With his team after they won a game. Um, I watched a little bit of the Calgary game, their last game. Uh, I don't think who they were playing. Uh, they played Anaheim, um, didn't they, on Saturday? Yeah, yeah. The emotion in that game, um, it, it just made, it made me miss that with the Oilers. I haven't seen them play mad. And, you know, we, in, in the days when the Oilers were uh, contending, you know, there was, there was always that fight. You don't see that now. Like, and that really concerns me probably more than anything, that there's not anybody stepping up and getting mad about losing. Um, and that, I think, I think that kind of tells you what may be happening in the dressing room. The other thing I was going to say is... Uh, and I, I don't know if anybody's brought this up, but that incident with uh, uh, Darnell Nurse and Drysaddle earlier in the year, uh, allegedly where Nurse punched out uh, Drysaddle, I've heard that Drysaddle may want may want to be out of Edmonton. And I know I know that's that's a rumor, whatever. But it almost looks like he's playing that way. He is a different player this year. Um, uh, last year. Teams had to focus on him and McDavid. They they were both like pretty lethal. Um, this year, it's McDavid. Teams are focusing on McDavid. If you can nullify a lot of what McDavid's doing, you got the Oilers beat. But I don't know if it's if it's uh, a rumor or whatever. But Drysaddle seems to not. His head doesn't seem to be in the game. Well, he's not I've checking. As, he's definitely not checking as well. He's uh, missing the net. As for, as for that rumor, Brian, I, I generally don't comment on on rumors that happen away from the rink. If something did happen and it affected the team, that's unfortunate. The, 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 the problem I have with this, Brian, is I've heard about 20 different rumors from probably 400 different people, and they all know exactly what happened, even though some yeah. are contradictory. Well... So okay. let's just uh, let's just you know let's let's put that aside. But the fact is is he is not himself this year. He's a young man, and and whatever happened, uh, you know, in the off season, whatever. Uh, I'm telling you, I, I you can see the way, and I think he is the leader, and so is McDavid. He is not himself this year, and I think that is killing us big time because he the, the guy. But having said that, it doesn't mean that this is how he's going to play. It doesn't mean this doesn't mean this is going to how he's going to play the rest of his career, right? Absolutely not. Like, but, but what what if he does want to be out of Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, we're going to find that out probably at the end of the year. But if that is true, well, then, I hope I mean, not. After the Oilers gave him all that money. Oh, well, absolutely. Thanks, Brian. All right, 646, quick timeout, 780-496-0063, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Hey, that guy won the MLP in the CFL. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 649. 
So here's what we're going to do, everybody. And look, talking to you, taking calls is, is a priority, and I love talking to everybody. Uh, but I think uh, you're also going to want to hear from a kid who won World Junior Gold. So I'm going to do calls for about another uh, seven or eight minutes till we have to take a commercial and do the news. And then you're going to hear from Carter Hart after the 7 o'clock news. So with that in mind, uh, because we got a few guys on hold, I'm going to ask you to make your point in 45 seconds to a minute, if you can. Uh, that, sh- that should be enough. Uh, and then after a minute, I'm just going to have to click you and move on to the next guy. So I'll apologize in advance if I cut you a little short. Greg, go ahead. Hey, Reed. Uh, okay. So very simply, this is a theory or speculation that I have in regards to the failures of the, the team and the organization. Um, okay, I, I imagine you're aware of Silver Pictures, the movie production uh, company that the owner of the Oilers has uh, uh, engaged himself in. Yeah, keep going, buddy. 40 seconds. Okay. Well, my theory is that um, I haven't seen anything from that production company. I've never seen a trailer on TV for movies. Uh, Maybe I'm going off on a bit of a tangent, but, you know, if as a human being you're not using your brain to be creative, um, then obviously I think the owner's frustration is trickling down, and that's why there's so much anger. So that's my point. I mean, I just particularly think, hey, it would be great to see some movies from the OEG. I've never seen it. Um, that's all I really have to say. Okay, silver pictures. Uh, according to the uh, website, their most recent picture was Suburbicon, directed by George Clooney. Harry on line four. Harry, your minute has started. Hey, Reed. Hello. Um, Reed, i got a question if you just answer really quickly. In terms of waiver wire pickups, last year and this year, did Edmonton have priority over the Rangers or the Vegas Knights this year? They wouldn't have had priority over Vegas after the first month of the season. Or, sorry, they would have had priority over Vegas once you get a month into the season. Because for the first month, they used last year's standings. Then once they get into November, they use the current standings. Okay, so my one point about Shirelli is is that, you know, when you watch somebody like Michael Grabner get picked up by the Toronto Maple Leafs, you sit there and you wonder, where's Shirelli on these waiver wire pickups? Um, it just seems that if you compare him to his peers, let's take a look at Trey Living in Calgary. Trey Living has, for a couple of seasons at least, really gone out and tried to address the needs of the team. You take a look at Dorian in Ottawa. There was a, a discussion last year in the playoffs where the coach for Ottawa said, I gave a list of things that I need to the GM, and the GM filled each and every need. I think it was like nine different types of players he was looking for. I, I think I got to cut you off because Grabner, sure. I'm pretty sure, was signed as a free agent by the Rangers in Is it a 20, free agent. Okay, sorry. In 2016, was he was signed oh, as a. Oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. But again, I just I don't know. It, it just seems like our team, our management, is incredibly complacent, and today's discussion did nothing to dispel that about Shirley. So I'll leave it at that. I know you got a time limit here. Okay, appreciate it, Harry. Thank you very much for calling. Ron on line one. Ron, your minute is underway. Oh, I won't even be that. Okay. I just want to uh, vent on just the one uh, non-signing that I just can't believe that we let this player go, and that would be Pitlick. Three years at 1.1, he's got 15 points-ish, and he's on the third line, and how we never gave him a chance to see what we had 
And basically, we got UC Jokinen or Camilleri for that player in the sense of position. And Ed, I just wanted to say Ed, that that one non-signing really irked me from a fan's perspective. And I'll just listen to what you have to say, Reed. Thank you. Uh, well, I'll say you're bang on. He has 15 points in 41 games. Andrew on line two. Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, hi, Reed. Uh, the point I'd like to make is maybe this problem isn't as big as everyone seems to think it is. I've never seen a team ring so many pucks off iron, I think, in my experience watching. Um, you know, most of the games that they lost, uh, particularly earlier in the season, not recently, uh, you know, they were out chancing the opponent. They were out shooting them. You know, is this just an outlier year where you've got uh, teams like Vegas that nobody expected to perform and Vancouver and Calgary all making a push within the division? Um, and then you have Edmonton, uh, you know, just not getting the results, but everywhere else where it should be. I mean, I just, you know, what's the explanation that they could have for having such a bad uh, home penalty kill and such a good road penalty kill? I don't, my point is, is maybe there simply isn't one. Andrew, thanks for the call. Thanks. And Paxton is on the line. Paxton, good to hear from you. You've called this before, haven't you? Yeah, this will be, I think, my second time. Uh, just a quick thing. I heard this, uh, this afternoon on the radio station about uh, their penalty kill and how they look a little bit off or new systems or whatever. But as long as I've played and I've played at every level and coached from novice to junior B... Oh, yeah, you're the that, you're the guy. Yeah, I know. Okay, I remember you now. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, is that uh, the penalty kill is pretty simple. You take away the passing lanes, shooting lanes. It's just like a uh, five-on-five. Really, a, a power play is a five-on-five, too. The goalie takes the shooter, from, and you allow the least penalty. Um, my Bantam AA team were near the bottom of the league in uh, points, yet our, our penalty kill is up over 90%. We struggle offensively, but my guys work hard and skate, and you can't tell me that the Oilers can't skate. So I think, I think the lack of execution on their part, I mean, every coach I've had has prepared me for the penalty kill, it's my job to do it as a player, and I know that as a coach, I tell my players what to do. So, so why, so why is it fifty-five percent? And I'm not arguing with you, but why is it fifty-five percent no, no. on home and eighty-six on the road? That's still I, pretty weird. I think, I think, I think that the cheating, the lack of start stops and starts, are 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 evident there. Like you said, guys, they missed assignments. I know that Todd put out a, a good game plan for those guys, and it's not been ex- executed. Uh, I think just some good old uh, elbow grease is what these guys need to do. Uh, get the puck on net. You don't have to be a genius. You just have to get it over the goal line, whether it be five feet from the net or 25 feet from the net. Like I said, nobody's going to say, look in the stance and say, well, McDavid's fifth goal was a beautiful one. His ninth one was a was a garbage goal, right? I mean, none of that's noticeable, but... Collectively, you look and you say, all oh, the Oilers are 500, the Oilers are five games below 500, or the Oilers are five, five above, right? And I think they're thinking too much offense instead of defense. I, I preach to my guys, you take care of your own end, and the other end will take care of itself. Those yeah. guys are creative enough that they know where the net is. They know how to get the puck in the net, but if they don't they don't take care of their own end. Paxton, thanks for calling. Well, I hope you call in again, okay? All right, take care, my friend. I'm off to practice in Callahoo. Okay, have fun. Callahoo! Don't they have Callahoo sausage? Why did sausage come to my mind? 
But, well, I probably shouldn't be saying sausages coming into my mind randomly. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> no comment. Uh, great calls, everybody. That was fun. Uh, we're going to bring Carter Hart onto the show after seven. Goaltender, world junior gold medalist. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.